Genre. Welcome to a very special edition of Second Breakfast, the weekend uh, edition of Lord of the Rings Minute, exclusively for our Patreon supporters. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Norman Mitchell. Um, and today on the show we will bleh. Today on the show we will be discussing the theatrical edition of Two Towers. And if you are listening from the main feed, hello, welcome back. Uh, today is the anniversary, uh, the 15th anniversary of the theatrical release of Two Towers in the United States, uh, December 18th. Uh, and I Happy had- birthday. Yeah. I had never seen the theatrical edition of Two Towers before, so- uh, if you remember, we talked about the theatrical edition of Fellowship, like, halfway through the movie and that was kind of a bad call so we are doing it better this time <laughs> it's listen it's a learning process <laughs> um so do you want to just get right into it or do you want to talk about your relationship to the movie a little mm. before we start also if you hadn't heard i'm gonna take the time to say that we are coming back with our coverage of the extended edition of two towers uh starting january 1st 2018 so surprise if you haven't heard and, and uh, happy new year yeah hopefully <laughs> hopefully it's better than this one <laughs> uh yeah i mean i've I think I've been pretty clear the whole time we've been talking about Lord of the Rings that this is my favorite of the trilogy. Yeah. Although I do think that Two Towers has kind of helped the most in little ways by its extended edition. Mm. Because the overall movie is not terribly different between the theatrical and extended. Right. But there's a lot of like, there's a lot of little character scenes and just kind of extended moments that, but not so many like brand, not as many like brand new big scenes as there is in some of the other stuff. Right. Like, um, the, uh, concerning hobbits. Right. Or... There's nothing like concerning hobbits. Yeah. Though, okay, I, there is nothing like concerning hobbits because there's nothing like concerning hobbits, but I, I was definitely missing a lot of the character moments in this theatrical. Yeah. Um, I know we haven't gotten into like the nitty gritty of the extended yet, but even just reviewing it for our notes and everything yeah like, coming up i was definitely missing a lot like my second favorite scene of the movie right and the one that gives me like the most emotions <laughs> see for one of the things that i miss the most from the extended to the to the theatrical is a very small thing mm -hmm. but i think it's better than the way it's done in the theatrical movie and that's the establishment shot of eowyn when you first see her it just doesn't exist in the theatrical the first time you see her is when she's already at the top of the stairs walking into the hall. You don't see her look over the thing, over the fields, and then her run up the stairs. Oh, I see. Yeah. There's, there were, I mean, like, I'm not a big fan about of Eowyn to begin with, and I'm hoping that changes over the course of our uh, discussions, but I think that this movie does both her and Faramir a disservice, uh, and they already don't get enough screen time yeah so there's no my my main thing about eowyn is the the 
the way that she falls head over heels for Aragorn, which, okay, to be fair, he's fine as hell, but <laughs> it, it, it makes it feel so surface to not have them, like, the only discussion that they've had in the theatrical is the one, is her monologue about a cage. And it's barely a monologue. Yeah. Or it's that... It's like four lines. They, like, do some swords, and then she's like, I'm a badass capable lady. And he's like, yeah, you are. Finger guns, leave. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually really enjoy the scene uh, in the extended where she's, like, trying to get to know him, and she, like, makes that really crappy stew, and he's trying his best to not offend her. He spills it all over himself. Yeah. Oops. It's hot and it tastes bad. Clumsy me. I don't want to eat this, but the lady tried, so I guess I'll... I'll, I'll humor her while she's looking at me, <laughs> and then as soon as she turns away, I try to dump it, and then yeah. just, oh, crap, she turned back around. So, and, oh my god, I can't believe they didn't have the Boromir flashback. <laughs> yeah, no Boromir flashback. I was the, scandalized. I was, like, preparing myself for it, because I'm like, oh man, this scene always does me in, and then it never happened. And he's just brooding in the cave. I'm like, what? Where Where are my emotions? You know, I kind of get it, though. I kind of get why the, the flashback's not in the theatrical. Because they wanted to save the Denethor reveal for the theatrical for release of Return, Return of, the King. of the King. But for the extended edition people... Already knew about it. They get, like, a sneak peek at Denethor. That's true. And that's how they use the extended edition for some of this stuff. That's fair. Because, I mean, that flashback, that flashback could just as easily have been inserted into Return of the Return King of the somewhere. King, yeah. So, this movie opens, almost opens, with a different scene. The title card's in a different place, and the title card is over a scene that doesn't exist in the extended, or in the theatrical. Like, the extended and theatrical have a totally different title card. Well, yeah, that's, that's what happened with Fellowship. That's yeah. why I wanted to double check. Because we were watching the theatrical, and I couldn't remember where the title card in the extended is. Uh, but I almost like, I don't know if I, I don't know which one I like more. Cause yeah. I, I, I think I like the fellowship theatrical title card. Where it's right over Frodo. Yeah. It just feels right. Whereas in the extended, it's just that shot of the study, the Bilbo study. Yeah. But in this, I don't know if I like the, like, the empty, it's not quite empty space, but just the, the the rocky outcroppings and the mist. And as Frodo and Sam come into view on the left side of the screen, yeah. climbing down. Yeah. yeah. I actually like the title card in the theatrical more. Mm -hmm. It's Sam and Frodo coming up coming over up the over hill in the, the crags. Yeah. It's not as bleak. I, I think it's, yeah, yeah. It's not as bleak because it shows them kind of overcoming an obstacle. Yeah. And then going into the valley where there's more obstacles. Yeah. But. Well, I, I, the title card in the theatrical is they come up over the hill and then Sam's just like, we're lost. <laughs> Here's their grand hero moment. Oh, wait, we're lost. Just, we've been going around in circles. Although actually that line, I don't think that line's actually in the theatrical where Sam's just like, he's been leading us in circles. I think we've seen this rock eight times. No, I don't think that is and Gollum just like peeks out from behind Gollum's not in the that part yet yeah but I mean like I think the line about like I've seen that rock a bunch is after they've met Gollum no it's not it's, it's before. not before yeah I, we need to watch the extended again we just watched the theatrical because <laughs> Gollum doesn't show up until until they make camp that night 
And Frodo knows. And Frodo's like, we're being followed. We're being watched. Yeah. So they wander around aimlessly all day. And then, you know. Yeah. Then Gollum comes to save them by murdering them. (laughs) End of movie. I'm here to rescue you, but I want to choke Sam first. Yeah. So. So. I, I want to talk about the actual opening scene of this movie because it's the same between the theatrical and the extended. Okay. Do we want to... I mean, because we're going to be talking about it in a couple weeks anyway. But this is our theatrical movie review. Yes. I want to talk about the movie. Okay. And we're going to talk about it more in much more detail. Okay, but no, I'm torn because we've already talked about this. I know. Because we get to we get to open with Gandalf's death Again. Let's just skip the first week and be like, uh, we already talked about this with Crystal Beth, so... (laughs) (laughs) We already talked about this, we already talked about this whole scene at great length. At length. (laughs) At great length. Um, I, I don't know. I think we should do, like, a side-by-side comparison of the two. Yeah. That would be interesting. Because some of the stuff is shot from a different, is different angles on some of the stuff that you see. Yeah. Uh. Like that Gandalf flashback at the side of the lake. Yeah. At the end of Fellowship. Mm Mm-hmm. And... I have never been able to to decide whether or not I actually like the Balrog fall. Oh, the extended, like, I've been falling for 30 minutes. <laughs> the, like, <laughs> riding it like a horse and beating <laughs> it with his sword. But the shot of it falling into the cavern with the lake is super pretty, and yes, I've always loved is. that one shot in particular. I'm wondering if that <laughs> is based off of... Uh, an Alan Lee or John Howe painting. Probably. Because it feels like a painting. It does. It feels... You know what it feels like? It feels very um, biblical, like Paradise Lost. And it's not the only, like, kind of biblical feeling imagery in this movie. Maybe that's a a thing that we can keep track of this time. But yeah, I've always liked the image of the Balrog and Gandalf falling into the lake. But, like... The wide shot. The in-between, I've always just kind of been like, is this too far? Well... I think it's I think it's effective in getting your audience back into the world. Yeah. In a an exciting way because it's like, oh, we already saw this. This is like the worst not the worst part of the movie, but it's like, you know, a character died and then we see what happens to that character. Mm-hmm. So I have more questions about this scene that we'll talk about in the when we're actually doing the minute by minute. You know, I'm actually wondering if that scene spoils his reveal I think it does later on because spoilers Gandalf is back right Uh, spoilers (laughs) Gandalf the Grey becomes Gandalf the White oh my god I didn't even know that (laughs) oh man (laughs) I mean anyone who's heard Ultimate Showdown had that spoiled for them even if they've never oh my god even if they've never seen this in the before times right because Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the White (laughs) Oh, man. I also... The... I feel like there were a lot of Rohan stuff that got cut out. Lots of little stuff got cut out of the Rohan moments. But my favorite scene's still here. Oh, my favorite scene's still here. Because... hell yeah. My favorite scene in the whole trilogy is still in the theatrical. Yeah. Because how the hell could you cut that? Like, when you're on the floor editing the movie... How could you possibly get rid of Theoden's armoring up before Helm's Deep? It's such a powerful moment. I 
I for some reason it felt way more melodramatic to me in the theatrical than it has before in the extended. And I don't know if it's because we've watched the extended like at least three times in the past three months. Uh, <laughs> but it's really fascinating to me how removing little bits of a movie can change your entire movie. Oh, yeah. It's 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 really interesting. And I I am here for the character stuff primarily. So I feel like, I mean, I'm biased because I had never seen the theatrical before and I like grew up on the extended and I live by the extended. So <laughs> I don't, I mean, it was enjoyable. Like the same, like you were saying earlier, the same stuff was communicated, but in a different way. Yeah. And it was definitely more. Maybe because we watched it in two chunks out of necessity for yeah. our scheduling, but it felt like less of a slog. And that's I'm not I'm not saying that to be mean because I know this is your favorite movie, but this is my least favorite of the three. So it, I think it. it I think already, it's a lot of people's least favorite of the it three. It already kind of feels slow, even though there's like an action scene that lasts for an hour. Right. But I think. I don't know. It was a little more manageable in the theatrical, which I think is smart mm. because it, you know, gets your audience in and out. You tell your story and then you're like, OK, get hyped for the next one. I'd have to like watch it really like really back to back. But I feel like the cutaways in Helm's Deep are also paced differently in the theatrical. It's it feels quicker. Yeah, it feels I don't know if it's the same cutaways or if the cutaways are in different places, but it feels like a totally differently paced battle. Even though they didn't really cut a lot of the Battle of Helm's Deep out. Yeah. I think I think also because we we like sat down to watch the last hour of the movie, which is Helm's Deep. Yeah. Also on the, its own. And Sam's monologue is different. Like, is it? It's not different, but the scenes around it are different between the theatrical and extended, I'm pretty sure. I don't think you see all the same stuff when he's talking in the extended. No, you edition. do. I, I'm pretty sure because He's talking about the juxtaposition between hope and, and hopelessness, and then you see all these hopeful things happen. Yeah. But one of the things I think is different, because in the extended edition, you see the orcs run into the forest. Oh, yeah. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Oh, my God. I didn't even And I don't that. think... But that's So I after... don't think the orcs running away from the Rohirrim is in that montage cut of Sam's stuff in the, the-, in the extended. Because... In the theatrical, in the extended, they don't run away from the Rohirrim. They run into the woods. Yeah. No, I. they do run away. Um, everything's kind of bleeding together. After right. All. But no, I'm pretty sure that because you have the scenes where, like, you know, Gandalf is smacking a orc in the face with his staff. And everyone's right. like, you know, like, oh, victory. We have victory. Um, I, I definitely think that there are orc retreat shots in orc retreat <laughs> Just like on that, a hammock. This, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> that, just just a beachside retreat. Oh my gosh! Just orcs and speedos with pina coladas and coconuts. Oh man, did you miss this yet? Uh- <laughs> they got like the zinc on their nose. Yeah. It's the same paint the as same the white hand. The white yeah. hand. <laughs> they got a little hand on their nose. They got one of them's got like the hand on his ass. <laughs> right. 
They got all their hairs tied back. Oh my. They got little umbrellas in their drinks. Oh, that's funny because I there's a couple orc helmets that are really weirdly designed and they look like little sunbonnets, like little beach hats. So I think we're onto something here. Right. Um, Those guys are planning a getaway. <laughs> they're gonna. They're gonna. They gotta work on their tan. <laughs> they're gonna. They're gonna sing the pina colada song and that's get away. They, that's why they're cutting down the trees. The trees are cutting in on their tan. Like. <laughs> Oh my Do they God. like making love in the dunes of the cave? What? What the what? <laughs> that is something I did not need to think about in my entire <laughs> life. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my God. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Um, No, I'm pretty sure that the scenes that they choose to feature in Sam's monologue are very similar. I don't... Because... They don't cut his... It's not like they they cut words out of it. No. I. Maybe it's just because when I watch the theatrical and don't... When I watch something and then I don't watch the other version of it immediately, mm-hmm. maybe I just, like, imagine greater differences than there are because it feels like such a different experience. But when I try to think about Sam's monologue, I don't really imagine them cutting away from him mm-hmm. very much. I imagine you being, like, watching him say the whole thing. In the extended, you watch him say the whole thing? That's what I see in my mind. No. But I don't think that's true. No, because that would be really boring. (laughs) I mean, as much as I love um, Sean Astin, like, that, just staring at his round little face as he, like, painfully delivers. No, that is a monologue that is written to be a voiceover. Mm. Like, that is, that is, like, the inspirational monologue in all caps. Right. That's the... That's like the message statement of the whole goddamn trilogy. Yeah, for sure. Or at least this movie. Yeah. Because this movie represents one of like the dark. It, I mean, it's 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 always like the dark night of the soul is the second one. Like everything. But there's that... not really an all is lost moment. Like if you look at the whole trilogy as one story, the all mm-hmm. is lost moment isn't in this movie. For as far as the the trilogy goes, but as far as this movie is concerned. There's, like, you know, Frodo and Sam getting taken to us, Gilead. The Ents refusing to help Mary and Pippin. The Ents just, like, Being Ents. Yeah. <laughs> and then the the um, the orcs breaking into the keep. Yeah. Ride out with me. Okay, so another thing. That... Where do those horses come from? <laughs> Wait, save it, save it. We gotta... I know that's, like... At least six months from now, but like, save it. It's just really in my brain. It's just like, we saw that whole room. <laughs> where were those horses? They just sprung just from in their, the earth. In their freaking pockets? Like, where were they? They're like those little sponge animals that you put in water. It, uh, those those orcs took hours to break down that door then. <laughs> Horse. Um... Dude, they're horse lords. They can probably just like summon them at will. <laughs> just they just they just speak to their horse swords. Are they and then paladins? Suddenly their paladins horses... just like magically summon a celestial horse or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing that I I think it paced the movie better, uh, but I'm always salty when we get not enough Merry and Pippin, and. Some of the little Mary and Pippin stuff's yeah, cut. Yeah, like their uh, the pantry scene isn't even in the the movie. Right. And where they're 
When they grow. When they grow. Yeah, that's kind of like a big deal as far as like the lore goes. I yeah. know it's not a big deal for the casual moviegoer, but since we are bona fide A-plus nerds, uh, that's a big deal. And right, because Mary and Pippin are like the tallest hobbits when right. they come home. Right. And that's part of their like legend and stuff. Right. But I feel like they don't grow as pardon the pun, but like they don't they don't grow as much. Well, I think that both of like Mary's growth moment is still here in this movie because Mary's growth moment is in this movie. Yeah. And Pippin's, Pippin's is, is in Return the of the one. King. Yeah. Cuz Mary's growth moment is his his speech to Pippin after the ants decide not to help. Mm-hmm. That's when Mary like really grows up. And when he he's like when when the when Tuckborough and Buckland will burn and there won't be a Shire anymore. Yeah. And he looks absolutely devastated for like until they see the the destroyed part of Fangorn Forest. Mm-hmm. I think though, like, I don't know. They're just actually like, Mary and Sam's moments are kind of both in this movie. They they both are much more subdued in this one. Which I both appreciate and kind of, like, I, I I like that they're still silly in the extended, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, because that's Merry and Pippin. They're the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of Tolkien. Right, but then they actually get stuff done instead of right. just die. Um, <laughs> right. Spoilers for <laughs> Hamlet. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers for a 400-year-old plan. <laughs> Older than that, maybe? I don't know how old Hamlet is. I don't know. Bernard Hill apparently played Macbeth once. I would pay to see that. Right? I want to see that now. Yeah. There was, I mean, there's that moment where he, he, he talks about the, cause Aragorn's like, yeah, your men are going to die. Like this is going to be the end of your people. And right. he says the, the way he says such an end yeah. is I'm like, Oh, was he Shakespearean trained? Because that sounds the cadence of it. And the way he, uh, the way he delivers the line yeah. sounds very much at home in Shakespeare. I love Theoden. I know. So much. I know. Uh, and I'm I'm really glad that all the Theoden moments are pretty much maintained. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are very important. Yeah. The only thing we don't see that's like a Theoden moment in the theatrical is Theodred's funeral. Yes. And that also, I mean, that's, that's also, also an, an Eowyn, Eowyn thing. Yeah. Because, I I don't know, it's sad, but it's really beautiful. I really love that scene a lot. And it I'm is really, beautiful. I'm really excited to talk about... With the symbol moon. I'm really excited to talk about it when we get to it in, like, a million years. But right. that one was one of the most glaring, where I was like, oh, they don't even have... His right. son's funeral. They just have the aftermath of... Where he talks about the, the flowers on the, the... And then Bernard Hill ugly cries. Yeah. Crying grief is not pretty, Norman. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but like, you know, usually when you Anyone see crying... Anyone who cries beautifully is a lie. But usually Liv like... Tyler. Right? But usually <laughs> when you see crying in a movie, like they cry like gracefully or beautifully. Yeah. And like Bernard Hill just starts ugly crying. Yeah, he just lost his son. Give yeah. him a break. He was brainwashed, and then he woke up to his son being dead. Yeah. Uh, the way Grimma gets thrown down those stairs is both, like, ugly and 
like brutal and so satisfying. The thing that I do appreciate... That would kill somebody. Oh, God, yeah. Get out of here. Come on, come on, come on. Like, they have him by a shoulder and his butt on either side, and they just huck him (laughs) down the stairs like a bag of grain. (laughs) I mean, I guess they would be used to that because they own horses. Right? I wonder how many people get thrown down those stairs as a punishment. Um... I don't know. They didn't, they no second thought to hucking Grimmin down those stairs. Well, yeah, he deceived their king. Right. And banished the... Do you the, think the guys that banished Aramur threw him down the stairs? I don't think so. I'm just imagining them doing that and he's just rolling down the stairs Are in his armor. Are you kidding me? He wouldn't take it quietly. He'd kill like five of them before he left, at least. But the thing I do appreciate about the theatrical is I don't... The the scene towards the end where Faramir is, like, kicking the crap out of Gollum has always made me feel very uncomfortable, and I hate I hate watching people beat up on Gollum. Like, I still hate the, the, the elven rope scene. Yeah. It just... It, but the elven rope scene is, like, so over the top because he's obviously faking. He's not faking. He stops and calms down completely and goes... Please take it off of us. I don't think he's faking because he's been corrupted by the ring so long that the elven magic is like burning him. If he can stop and act innocent and cute in the middle of all of that, I think he's faking. It's part of his deception. I don't, I don't, we'll, we'll get We'll talk it. about that yeah. more. <laughs> but I, I really appreciate that they left that out because it, it's, it's horrible to watch. I hate, right. I hate it. And for the extended edition... It's because you have more time and you really want to sell that maybe Faramir isn't going to let Frodo go. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand exactly why that scene was filmed. But when you're doing the theatrical, the turnaround, because it's not as far away, needs to be more believable and feel better. Yeah. So you can't have him abusing a tied up thing. Yeah. Because that just completely is like undermines everything that he just... Especially where you spend the whole movie trying to make Gollum sympathetic. Yeah, totally. Just to have Faramir, like beat the tar out of him it's awful i hate watching that yeah well it's like abusing a dog it's so awful and i mean this is where i'm gonna say and i'm sure i'll repeat this again like when we get to more faramir stuff when we're actually talking about the extended minute by minute Mm -hmm. but i remember when when all three of these movies had finished coming out and i had all the extendeds i would watch them and i would read the books and more than tom bombadil one of the things that i (laughs) oh here we go here we go. <laughs> the thing that kind of always bothered me about the movies more than Tom Bombadil, because I fully understood why Tom Bombadil wasn't there. It's very silly. It's very big. But I love Tom Bombadil and I wanted him on the big screen. Is how different Faramir is. Because in the books, yes, some people are like, oh, it's anticlimactic that he can, like, ignore the... The call of the, the ring. The call of the ring. But... I think it's very, I think it's a very important contrast with Boromir and it's very important because of kind of, because Faramir winds up as the steward of Gondor. Okay. I think that in the books, Faramir is too perfect because you have, and I, 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 I think that in the theatrical, at least, in the context, oh, since we're talking about the theatrical, in the context of the theatrical edition, you have you have f- this character um, who is 
Boromir's brother. We've already seen Boromir fall. Mm -hmm. You have him at first carrying out what Boromir wanted to do from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then at the climax of the movie, he has a change of heart. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't kick Gollum while he's down. He lets him go. I think that is a good um, parallel to Aragorn at the end of Fellowship. Because Aragorn hears the voice of the ring. And Aragorn lets Frodo go. Yeah. So I don't necessarily have a problem with Faramir being able to resist the call of the ring outright. Because, I mean, ultimately Aragorn is the the hero of men that we're supposed to be focusing on. Right. So I think that Faramir being able to just ignore it completely undermines what they're trying to do with Aragorn yeah. in this adaptation. And I like that as a con... Because Aragorn and Boromir were already really good foils for each other in Fellowship. And even now, Faramir is on par with Aragorn, so he's still a fo- like a contrast to his brother. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I know. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Because the, th- the reason it always bothered me is that, to me, Faramir being so pure of heart is like is the proof that we see that there is still good in Gondor worth saving. Yeah. And like that's the whole point of Faramir resisting the call of the ring, I, letting Frodo go. It's proof that there's still strength in the blood of men in the south. I think that it works better in a narrative, um a specifically a written narrative than a visual narrative because we already know that there's strength in the hearts of men because Boromir sacrificed himself for the hobbits. Right. And we already know that there's strength in the, the blood of men because Aragorn is out here kicking ass and taking names so i think that in the narrative yes it's good to have um like beacons of of hope like literal beacons i mean there are literal beacons no i I know i know (laughs) shut up (laughs) they are lit (laughs) but i think in this I appreciate that they they made Faramir a bit more murky because it feels more true, especially considering who his brother is. Yeah. And even without the the flashback, you can already tell that he is he is cuz he makes a point to say like, you know, tell my father it's a gift. You know, I'm a mighty gift. Yeah, yeah. So you can already tell that he is wanting the he has the ambition that Boromir has in a different way like he he's already he's he's you know he's captain of the guard and everything right he's not a knight he's a ranger right he's 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 not a general he's a captain you Mm. know so whereas we talked about Boromir being like the general that you know gets his hands dirty and like makes a point to you know be with his men and everything which we will see uh with the extended in the flashback. Yeah. But I think Faramir has the ambition that Boromir has, but his ambition is much more personal and it regards his father mm. instead of the glory of Gondor. Because Faramir is so, like, jaded. Like, maybe it's, like, the color palette of the Osgiliath scenes because everything is so gray and yeah, I, cold. But everything is, like, so gray, blue, and dingy, like, in the whole last part of this movie. Yeah. Um, and I understand why, because it's supposed to be bleak. 
But yeah. I think that... But, like, they pull so much color out of it that Vigo's eyes aren't blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to look into those baby blues. But... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I think that Faramir is... His ambition is much more personal than uh, Boromir's was. Yeah. Because Boromir already had his father's love. Right. I mean, I grew out of some of that, but it's the thing that always bothered me more than Tom Bombadil was the change to Faramir. Mm. Uh, also, not seeing as much of Faramir and Eowyn in the, <laughs> in the movies always made me sad. Yeah. Because it's kind of an afterthought. And, like, I mean, we'll get to it. We'll get to it eventually. Um, yeah. Because that's all Return of the King stuff. All the Theoden stuff just makes me, like, smile to watch, though. It still does. I love Theoden so much. I love the the fallen king trying to put the pieces back together because he's been under someone else's thrall for so long. Mm -hmm. uh, the very, like, fallen King Arthur aesthetic around Theoden is very cool. I've always loved it. Theoden's the man. <laughs> I think one of the things that the whole point of this movie, kind of a real theme of this movie, and because they didn't really cut any of it, because it's important to the narrative for the third movie, uh, I think one of the themes that still sticks in the theatrical is whether or not Theoden is a good king. Hmm. Because he's stubborn. He won't listen to outside advice. Right. He's doing what he believes is right, but he still fights next to his men. Yeah. Not as not as much as Aragorn would have him. But he's so ready to martyr himself. Yeah. I think that part of Theoden's journey through this movie is not so much as people deciding that he's a good king, but himself deciding that he's a good king. Like, right, because he asks gambling. Yeah, like proving himself to be a good king. And ultimately, because he listens to Aragorn, uh, who is a good king, um, <laughs> I think that he does. But I don't know. It makes for really interesting... I think also because he's an interesting foil for Aragorn as like going forward for the third movie, because... Arag it's like Aragorn looking into like an alternate future like you know if I had been if I had been born in Gondor and like born a king well I mean you know what I mean like right. born in power instead of in exile like is this is this what I would have done is this what awaits me or and he's like trying to he's trying to get Theoden into action I think because he feels like if he had been in Theoden's position, he might have done the same, or at mm. least some part of him. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, because Aragorn is, and you'll see, you see it in the third movie, Aragorn is so afraid that his will will fail. Yeah. And that's what he sees in Theoden, is, yeah. a, is, a, is a man with a broken will. Yeah. And... One of the things that I think you lose by losing the flashback with Boromir and Faramir and Denethor mm -hmm. is getting an early comparison between Theoden and Denethor in this movie. Because they are... As far as, like, lapsed rulers? Right. Because they are kind of similar. They wound up where they are for kind of similar reasons. Right. But where Theoden is willing to go out and fight and martyr himself, Denethor becomes reclusive and paranoid yeah 
I think, I think also because they are under the thrall of a different sort of power. Right. Because Denethor is being corrupted directly by Sauron. Right. Whereas Theoden was, had Saruman in the back of his head. Right. Which is so weird. Like, he can just possess people. Why not? He's a wizard. Like, <laughs> I, I guess. You never see Gandalf possessing people. <laughs> That's true. Maybe he could. But he's a good guy, maybe so he's not he, gonna. I mean, maybe he can now. He's Gandalf the White. Right. Instead of Saruman the Many Colored. I'm so, so sad that's not in the movies. Oh, man. I wanted to see Saruman's Technicolor Dream Coat so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's difficult to watch the theatrical without all the extended edition baggage for me. And... I think that there are parts of it that are better served by being in the theatrical and parts of it that are not as good mm-hmm. with all the character stuff. Yeah. I I really do think the individual shot I miss the most is the wide shot of Eowyn with Edoras behind her. Mm. Because it's so pretty. Yeah. It's just, and it's such an iconic shot for me, for Rohan. With it's like l- the sweeping countryside and yeah. the, the golden maiden or whatever. I do really like her dress, the white dress. The white dress is very pretty. Oh, so pretty. That's definitely the prettiest dress she wears. I... I do all... I also really like the dress she's wearing uh, during the conversation in the hall, where Theoden's like, last I checked, Theoden was king in Rohan. Oh, the one with the high collar. Yeah, Yeah. that's a very pretty dress. Her hair is also very pretty in that scene. The way it's braided around her head like a crown. It's very uh, medieval. Yeah. I love the... I love the Viking aesthetic of Rohan. Yeah, totally. We will be delving into that. And I think Theoden has the second prettiest sword. Because <laughs> Arwen has the prettiest sword. But Theoden's sword is so pretty, with like the almost kissing horses at the bottom. Well, I think it's a different kind of pretty. Yeah, it is a different kind of pretty. It's like a masculine pretty instead of a very elven feminine pretty. Mm. But like, I like the, the Viking broadsword style and how the horses look like they're kissing and they form like a little heart at mm-hmm. the bottom. To me, maybe this isn't intentional, but... Because it looks like it's making a little heart, it feel like to me, it feels like the whole point is Theoden's heart is with battle because he wants to martyr himself for a greater cause. He must run in the family. He's holding his heart in his hand as he charges into battle. Oh my God. Like, I don't know if that's what you're supposed to get out of it, but that's kind of like a symbolism, like a symbol I see in I that. I think that because, I mean, Gandalf makes a point of saying like your fingers would find their old strength if you were to hold your sword. Yeah. And I think that the, I mean, clearly it's a symbol like, you know, embracing a sword means you're going to war, whether you want to or not. Because, you know, we've talked about it before, like a sword is a, first and foremost, a weapon Mm -hmm. before it is a symbol. Yeah. And the act of taking up one sword after a, a while is very provocative. Yeah. And I like... I have noticed that the 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 hilt of it with the horse heads makes uh like a heart shape, but at the same time, like I think it's more of him embracing the king that he needs to be instead of the king that he has been. Mm. Because, I mean, we'll get into this more, but Grima calls out Aemer specifically for saying, like he says, warmongering. 
Mm-hmm. So this this Theoden, the one under Saruman, has been passive and um, willing to to acquiesce to you know Saruman's will and not willing to risk his going to full out war with with um, with the right. orcs. And I think the the seed of that that Grimma and Saruman were able to corrupt is that he doesn't want to lose his son or Amor or Eowyn. Right. He doesn't want to endanger his people. Like he's the reason he goes to Helm's Deep is because he doesn't want to risk his people. Mm-hmm. So he is a protector king first and foremost. But I think the, I don't know if his heart is with war, but I think that when he grabs his sword, because if his heart was with war, I don't think he would struggle as much. Um, in that scene, in your scene, in the favorite scene mm-hmm. where he dons his armor. Yeah. Well, I I think he's just he's questioning whether or not he made the right choice to hole up. Hmm. Whether or not he should have run out to meet them. Because the the whole of Helm's Deep is him struggling with whether or not he should just ride out and die gloriously. Right. It's very, like, last act of Beowulf. It is very last act of Beowulf. You know what I mean? Like, the, the where he goes to the dragon at the end of the story? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, oh, is this where I die? Right. Like, is this... If, you know, if this is the last act I do as king, like, I, I, am I going to die in a hole or am I going to die with my sword in my hand? Yeah. We're going to have so much to talk about. I know. <laughs> like, well, I think the idea of, like, him struggling with that and, like, the sword having, like, kind of looking like a heart and his heart being in battle and everything also, like, flows with the whole Viking aesthetic thing. Right. Also, Amber's armor is so pretty and I wish you got better looks at it. Amor's armor is really nice. Mm-hmm. It's some of the most intricate looking armor across all of the movies. I think my favorite suit of armor in this is Aomer's and Haldir's. Haldir's armor is like the prettiest elven armor you see. Hashtag justice for Haldir. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag Haldir lives. Let's start it now. <laughs> well, because Haldir's armor looks the most like the... The elven armor from the first age or, or the second age that you see in the, in the, in prologue, the prologue. yeah. So it, it looks very similar to that stuff. Except it's super shiny. Well, you know, that's that's kind of a, a it it's kind of a cool idea, like the idea that some of these elves fought in that battle. Right. And here they are again, yeah. fighting the same foe. Right. Uh, we will honor that allegiance. Haldir was not supposed to die, and I'm salty about it, but we will talk about it. We will. We will talk about it. Also, uh, one of the little moments in this that I always kind of gives me a little bit of a chuckle is Theoden like being like, "I'm gonna go fight with my men," and immediately gets stabbed. <laughs> well, to be fair, he gets like shoved with the butt of a spear. And... Oh no, he's bleeding. He's the whole rest of the Helm's Deep. Uh-huh. He's keeping his right arm very close oh, to his body. Okay, like he gets he gets stabbed, and when he when when his lieutenant like pulls him away, the pauldron is disconnected. I see. Are you sure that's not just because it's rubber? Well, yeah, it might be. <laughs> but, like, it looks like he just gets, like, stabbed in the side. Just, like, under the arm by that spear. Yeah. And he responds in kind and kills the orc holding it. Yeah. And you may notice, gentle listener, that we have not even talked about Gollum. Uh, but we need to save stuff. Because otherwise, what will we be doing for almost a year of our lives? <laughs> right. <laughs> No kidding. Uh, the Gollum, I will say the Gollum special effect has aged pretty well, in my opinion. Like, I am not, not as poorly as a lot of other CGI. I am going to save it. 
You're going to save it? Yes. I still like the effect a lot. I think watching the theatrical has made me more excited to cover the extended edition than watching the extended edition. (laughs) Because I think watching the theatrical has made me realize that there are things that I really, really enjoy about this movie. Yeah. And it's making me less trepidatious about like, oh, this is my least favorite. Like, when are we going to get to Return of the King? Blah, blah, blah. So (laughs) I, I, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad we did this. I'm like pumped about it. Right. Also, really scared because oh my god, a year of our lives. <laughs> right. I just love Rohan, guys, and the ants. Yeah, no. Don't talk about the ants much that's, either. That's like your whole jam, is right? Rohan and the ants. So, what are you going to talk about in Return of the King? Uh, <laughs> because Return of the King is like my jam. The elephant. The the, the elephant. elephants. Yeah. <laughs> the the, the... Holy falls. Uh oh! Also the. Is that is that in the extended two towers? The he's he's twitching because he's got my axe embedded in his nervous system. Yes, that is yeah. extended. Two it's towers. not in the theatrical. No. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, in the theatrical, I think Legolas and Gimli suffer too because Legolas, they don't have as some of their much banter's the, cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have as much of the camaraderie. Yeah. Although you do have Legolas. Immediately drawing a bow on Amber when he threatens Gimli. Of course, he's his bro. They just ran five days without food or rest. Dwarves are very dangerous over short distances. They're wasted <laughs> on cross country. country. I'm glad that's still in the theatrical. <laughs> it's so funny. So is the the toss me thing. Yes, and the box. And the box. Um. Or should I fetch you a box? <laughs> I. No, was I, the chainmail gag? I don't remember. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit tight around the, the <laughs> tight chest. around the chest. <laughs> yeah. Like it goes from Theoden armoring up to Aragorn armoring up, and then comedy beat with Gimli. Mm-hmm. Serious, serious undercut. It's like serious, sad, serious. It's time to throw down. Serious, badass. And then like. What? Womp womp. Like, <laughs> sad trombone. <laughs> and how excited is Gimli when he's told to go toot the horn? Yes! He's been waiting his whole life. Honestly, okay. I was going to save this, but okay. Um, Are dwarves, like, well-read on the history of men? Because, like, he makes that whole dramatic, like, the horn of, hell, of, of like, frickin', uh... Hell, Hell, hammer hammer hand. hand will sound in the deep one last time. <laughs> and Gimli is just like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if I were Gimli or in that spot, I'd be like, "What are you talking about? Like what? Like <laughs> maybe Gimli's just really excited to like blow the horn of battle. Maybe it's just something he's never been able to do. Maybe. And he's just like, me, pick me. I'll go do it. <laughs> he has been training his whole life. He has a tuba back home. This is his moment. She just composes a, a song of glorious friendship on the tuba for have, him and Legolas. Okay, so having set, <laughs> yeah, having sat through a tuba solo, it is awesome. I don't know if you've ever heard a tuba solo. No, not really. But it is surprisingly <laughs> awesome. There you go. Uh, <laughs> because story time, when I was in high school orchestra, the the seniors were allowed to try out for senior solos, and one of the seniors did a tuba solo and it was incredible nice 
You don't think of the tuba as being, being a, a beautiful solo instrument. instrument, but it's really cool. Just imagine a guy dancing around with a tuba as big as him. I mean, you can't dance around with a tuba. You can dance around with a sousaphone. Uh-huh. That's the one in the marching band with the big, the horn above your shoulder. It's like wrapped around your Yeah, your the shoulder, tuba's the one where you have to hold it like an overgrown child in your lap. Some strong guy dancing around with a tuba. <laughs> Just waltzing. Waltzing. <laughs> Playing waltzing Matilda on the tuba what? while he waltzes with a tuba. This is now an, an image and a sound in my brain. Okay, sure. Go me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why my brain does this I, to me. I don't know either. Uh, any last thoughts about the theatrical? And I'm sure the theatrical will come up in our discussions again. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it will. Um, going forward, because we're doing it correctly this time. I think out of all the characters in the movie, in the theatrical, Eowyn kind of suffers the most from the cuts. Mm. Because we really only have... We only have, like, the one Aragorn Eowyn moment right? where they talk, uh, other than her looking at Legolas giving Aragorn the, the necklace and be- looking really confused. Yeah, they don't even have the scene where she's like, because they love you. Right. When she's calling out, like, Legolas and Gimli fighting at his side. Right, they would die for you because they love you. Yeah. Right. Which is a line that I take issue with, but I think... Why? We'll get there. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll, okay. We, because it's her saying, we, I love you. We will talk about Eowyn. <laughs> All right. Okay. I love we, Eowyn. We will talk about Eowyn. Uh, and I think, no, I, I agree. I, I think that Eowyn is one of the, yeah, I was saying that Eowyn and Faramir, Faramir are the ones that suffer the most. Yeah. There's still a lot of Faramir. Yeah. Well, I mean, because. Right. But, I mean, the flashback is just so much character information about Faramir and Boromir and Denethor that losing it feels like such a big loss. Mm-hmm. But that's like, it's like an eight minute scene. Yeah, it's long. So I understand why it got cut. It's just like, we need to get this movie going. Let's not go dwell on Boromir's death any more than we have to. We already dwelled on Gandalf's. But Boromir's death, I would much rather have that flashback than the Gandalf flashback. Honestly. Right. I mean, you don't need the Balrog fall if you have the smote his rune upon the mountain thing. I understand. Right. Because you can just... Right. And they show part of the battle anyway during that... Yeah, they show him fighting on top of the mountain. Yeah. You don't need to... I mean, I guess if you don't show at least part of the fall... Of the, of the fall. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> How did they... They fell. Did it's, they fall to it's, rise? It's, I mean, we're going to be getting into it in a few weeks, but the opening, at, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. We're literally about to talk about it, so yeah, it's fine. We are literally <laughs> going to talk about the opening. <laughs> I do think the opening gives it away. I think it kind of gives up the ghost a little bit. <laughs> um. But um, Tish. Uh. <gasps> oh, my which, is, which has always kind of been my problem with it. Yeah. Wait, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's hard. It's hard no, to I like know. not talk about it when we're talking about it. Yeah. Because I mean, we we're going to talk seen... about it in greater detail anyway. Right. Yeah. It's the opening. So I don't want to like have nothing to talk about the first week that right. we're actually back. So I will, I, I will save that. But yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think it's more, the movie itself is more palatable to be able to sit down in one sitting, even though we didn't watch it in one sitting. Um, <laughs> I understand why they cut what they did, but at the same time, 
It's like the fellowship thing. I understand why you cut what you did, except for the Boromir stuff. Uh, <laughs> like the Boromir stuff is the stuff that I'm just like, why would you cut this? Cutting like Aragorn's moment at his mother's grave. Mm. Totally understandable. It's not, it's not something that's like narratively driving important. Right. But for Boromir's character to like really sell what you're trying to put down, mm-hmm. I feel like cutting all those Boromir scenes and not even keeping one of them, mm-hmm. like really kind of hurt that story. Yeah. Whereas with this, I'm I'm glad they removed that Faramir scene at the end. Right, where he like threatens Gollum yeah. and chokes him. And... and I it is it is narratively relevant. It is, but because I understand why they cut it because they wanted to keep her a surprise yes. for the third movie. Right. Though and... if you read the book, you would be sitting there like, Where the heck is the giant spider? Right. <laughs> also like it's because it comes after he lets them go that they kind of have to cut it if they want to maintain the Faramir thing. Mm-hmm. But for the audience, it's kind of a really good moment as far as just like Frodo Frodo not trusting Gollum. It's just one more person that really doesn't trust him, which like continues to build the tension to the betrayal in right. Return of the King. Yeah. So like I, I understand fully like why that scene exists because Faramir still doesn't trust Gollum. Right. I mean... Because nobody does except for Frodo. Right. Frodo is idea. naive and silly. Frodo is too trusting. They're here. Oh, <laughs> Wait, We're not going to talk about that forever. <laughs> and it's so weird. It feels Wait, so no, out I of wanna, place. I want to save it. It still feels out of place to me. I having, I mean, we didn't get through as much of Peter Jackson's filmography as I wanted to because life and technical difficulties. But... Having seen that first movie that he made, I can definitely see his his background in this movie specifically. Oh, yeah, like the innards flying. Oh, yeah. Meet the looks like meats back on the menu. <laughs> I'm really glad they kept that line, even though it's so absurd. We will be but talking at length about orcs and restaurants. They cut Pippin demanding Mary be given water. Yeah. Which is like a little Pippin and Mary character right, thing, because yeah. it shows how much Pippin cares. Right. It's about their their friendship, and it's it's because we've seen Mary be capable. It's Pippin trying to be noble and capable as well. Which yeah. the only the only thing that we have of that in the theatrical is when he he persuades Treebeard to like, hey, have a look at what Saruman's up to. My favorite Pippin line in the whole trilogy: "The closer we are to danger, the, the farther we are, are from harm." harm. <laughs> he won't expect it. <laughs> well, it doesn't make any sense to me. But you are very small. small. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my favorite Pippin line in the whole trilogy. So good. Yeah. It's just like, you don't make any sense. Why does this tree believe you? (laughs) Don't talk to it, Mary. Don't encourage it. (laughs) Pippin just doesn't want to believe that trees can be alive. Like sentient walking, talking things. There's no old man Willow in this theatrical either. Nope. Well, yeah, because that whole bit's cut. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. They're just completely wiping Tom Bombadil off the map right, for you. <laughs> right? I mean, because that, that whole scene is part of the then right, growing right. tall thing, and they yeah, just yeah. cut the whole scene. Uh, my favorite minor end character isn't in the movies at all, so whatever. You would have a minor end character. <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. Okay. Um, any Any other thoughts? Um, 
Oh, we also get get to see my favorite uh, Ent moment in the background of the theatrical. It's not in it. Is it not? No. The elf, the, the, the Ent, Ent putting, putting himself, himself out. No. Really? <laughs> it's not. I was. It's not in the background when the water comes rushing in. Yeah, it's just yeah, not yeah. there. Are A bunch sure? of the background Ent stuff's not there. Oh. I'm excited to talk about those two orcs. I want. I want those two orcs to have a spinoff. <laughs> Um, but that's that just, is the ones here. that look at each other. No, stop spoiling it. That is neither here nor there. We'll get to them in like October. Right. Uh, oh man, the end teardown of Isengard is still so satisfying. Uh, well, I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to us talk about this. Uh, I hope that you are all as excited as we are to start delving into two towers. Uh, so very very soon. You know, I think minute by minute podcasters really share a share a, a kinship with the ants in a certain way because anything worth talking about is worth taking a long time to say <laughs> <laughs> on that note <laughs> uh we will be back with minute one of oh my god <laughs> minute one of two towers January 1st, 2018. We hope you guys have a wonderful holiday season and uh we will we'll be we'll be right there with you with hangovers bringing in the new year uh Lord of the Rings style. Right. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon and just listening to us in general. We hope you guys have as much fun as we do. And we aim to I know I always say this. Maybe I shouldn't say because it, it'll just get jinxed again. But we'll we'll be we'll be back. It'll be exciting. Yes. Uh, so It'll be very fun. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good weekend or a Monday if you're listening to it on the main feed, and we'll be back on the first with minute one. Bye. Bye. Genre.